and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back again another episode of The Experts brought to you by the Solid Ports and the Solid Podcast Network. It's your boy Santo, Santo Mana. we back after a an eventful, well, I don't know if I say eventful, all-star weekend in the NBA. Um, my co-host with me. CJ the X Factor. What's poppin' bro? Yeah, I didn't go Yeah, so what I, I, I you felt about let's jump right into it. Nah, I mean let's jump right into it. Uh we had an we just finished wrapping up the All-Star weekend uh this past weekend. Uh how you felt about the festivities compared to years before. Um yeah, what you thought about it in general? Um, nah, well, thank God for the the Kobe system in the in the in the actual game that actually made that competitive again, because yeah. that was turning the old to be trash. Um, the dumb contest still trash. Um, three point contest obviously trash. The fact that you got a seven footer come out there, you gotta do better. You gotta get fellas like Buddy Heal them in the in the competition because obviously you gotta know who was set shooters from who was rhythm shooters. Guys like Trey Young them, they off the dribble rhythm shooters. They're not set shooters. You did set shooters are like big guys are definitely set shooters. Like even if you'd have probably put in beat in that three point shooter, he probably would have had a, a, a good time and put up a good number because they are set stand-up shooters. But jump shooters usually, like guys like J.J. Raddock, who's come off screens and a down shot, they ain't used to just standing there and throwing the ball. So that is a, a disadvantage to some of the better shooters. And then you got, what else? These weird competition, like they put anything in. Like, I don't know what it's be going on, but it's looked like Saturday night is just anything going on now. And um, it's taken away from the game. Even on Friday night, I see they had a celebrity game. They don't do rookie or uh, rookie sophomore. Like, they need to bring that back. Or they need to do world. Like, remember they used to do, like, USA versus world type game, like, That's with sorry. actual NBA players. Like, not these weird guys. You nobody want to see friggin' fellas who are not in the NBA. Like, why do you want to see you on NBA All-Star Weekend? Like, yeah. it's a celebrity game. And then it's supposed to be a NBA rookie type game. It's not supposed to be a celebrity game, and then some other weird type crap game. You know? Yeah, I I think um the celebrity game I ain't really watched that to be honest. I saw some highlights. Um, the only thing I really saw was Miles Garrett doing a a windmill to end it. That was impressive. Miles um, Garrett had better dunks than the dunkle. That's a fuck. That's a fuck. Um, and the thing is, right, like. They had the rookie sophomore game. They had the, I mean, it wasn't called rookie sophomore, whatever it was called. They switched it up a little bit, uh, made it like a little tournament, whatever. Um, I guess that was okay. Um, the, like you say, the three-point shooting and the dunk contest, because I feel as if there's the two main draws on All-Star Saturday, right? Friday, it's just a warm-up. No one really expecting nothing from Friday, you know what I mean? It's just a warm-up for Saturday and Sunday. But the All-Star the dunk contest and the three-point contest. They're the two main things I think people is really be looking forward to on a Saturday night. And 
three-point contest, I'll start with that. That was lacking, obviously, um, because you didn't have, like you say, the, the big guns, right? You got to bring out Steph. You got to bring out Clay. You got to bring out Buddy. You know what I mean? Um, even a Duncan Robinson from Miami. You got to bring out those dudes who have those cannons, you know what I mean, that just, uh, like you say, they automatic set shooters. They thrive inside that environment. And then the dunk contest, bro. I I feel like we, we we could have a separate episode for the dunk contest. How bad that was. That to me was the worst dunk contest um probably I've ever I've ever really watched on All Star Saturday. That probably is the worst. Uh I trying to remember one worse than that, but that probably is the worst. Um Yeah, that was horrible. That was horrible. Um, a question I have is what you think could be done to fix the dunk contest? Um, honestly, the dunk contest was better when you are, number one, stop finding no-name fellas to dunk. Like, to be honest, I like I said, you know me, I a sports better now. Shout out to Sportsbook and, and Island Luck. Um, but Obi Toppin was the only guy in there I actually thought had a chance. Like I saw the green, oh yeah, Jalen Green, but I was like, mm-hmm. y'all don't watch this guy in DMC. Like he just clowns around too much for me. And then when he first, this first dunk is like, oh, he putting on Timberlands. I was like, see, this boy ain't serious about life. Like this don't even make sense. If I was the Rockets, I was going to be ready to cut him right there. Like my thing is like, bro, Obi Toppin was the only guy I saw who could have won that dunk on there. And he won it, and it wasn't even needed spectacular. Like, I think they say that was the first dunk they ever that that didn't have one dunk that got a 50. No dunk in the whole dunk contest got a 50. And it's like, bro, these guys was missing their first dunk, missing their second dunk, missing all their dunks. And it was like, bro, these didn't even have dunks. Like, I watched Chicken and Jackson on Yellow Elder put down <laughs> better dunks than these fellas, bro. Like real talk, like no joke. I went to work the next day and I was like, wait, chicken just do windmill on yellow and when we play Sunday. And these fellas come out here trying to do swing dunks and ball game and the ball slipping out there. Like, everything goes good. My thing is, you got to get your best dunkers and you got to get star dunkers in there. Guys like Jam Morant should be in there. Um, if you throw Obi Toppin in there, he shouldn't be the best. He should be like the third, fourth best. You got Zach Levine. But I don't care how much times these guys be in it. If I got to invite you every year and no one could beat you, you continue to go and tell no one, tell someone beat you. Um, I wouldn't put Aaron Gordon. I think Aaron Gordon times up. And he can't take no more losses. He doesn't lose too much time. Um, so, yeah. You got some high flyers around the league that you need to get in the dumb contest. Like, it, it, unless you you looking for this to be phase out, which no one wants to see because people like the dunk contest you would have to actually get your star nba players in the dunk contest unless if you don't watch in a few years they can start bringing outsiders then you know what happened nba fellas can get mad oh why are these fellas taking over the show blah 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 because play plenty of these street ballers who we who can't really play like organized ball and put down the spectacular dunks so if the dunk contest about dunking Sometimes you know what you gotta do. You could do two, two street ballers or two outside guys and two NBA guys. Make it competitive. Make it where the NBA guys actually want to compete and actually stand up for the league to say, "Hey, he is the best ballers in the world." 
You can't let two street guys come out here and outperform you. Sometimes if that's what you got to do to incentivize fellas, they say, oh, you should give them a million dollars. Like, bro, you realize that some of these guys just make like 30 million, about to be 40 and 50 million. You really think giving me a million dollars at the All-Star break can, can make me go there and pop my knee? That don't make sense. I think um, I agree with the part you said about definitely the stars. I mean, if you look back in the history of the game, we look back at all the legends that have that have that have been in this town contest, right? You got guys who are top seventy-five players: Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, right? These are some of the names. Vince Carter, borderline top seventy-five player, right? Tracy McGrady, borderline top seventy-five player. These are the dudes who was in these uh, dunk contests. Star star players, star players basically was in this dunk contest. Um, and I think whether people want to admit it or not, that could draw the crowd, right? That could draw the crowd. Like you say, John Morant, people only got to see John Morant doing reverse windmill. It ain't got to be nothing spectacular. Just because it's John Morant doing that dunk, exactly. everybody could be freaking they said vote. Miles Bridges. Yeah, exactly, right? So you got to get stars or up-and-coming stars, right? I think Levine and Gordon put on probably the best show we've seen in a, in, in a long time. They uh, Levine wasn't a star yet. Uh, he's he's up-and-coming. But he put on the best show we've saw, we've seen in a long time. And I, I feel as if that's, that's, that's rare that you get that because I think a lot of people still are drawn into the star power. Look at... People still asking LeBron after all these years to do a dunk contest. You know what I mean? Right? Like, you know, people been asking Zion. I mean, Zion, you need to get Zion's a story for another day. But people have been asking Zion to do a dunk contest. So star power is what's going to really draw people in. And I think they have to find some way to incentivize stars to want to do this. Like, they asked John Moran when he's sitting courtside at the All-Star game to do it. And he laugh it off or whatever the case may be. You know, do what they want to do it at the end of the day. Like you said, they're risking injury, they're risking, you know, and they're spending time thinking about dunks that, quite frankly, they don't even have enough time to really think about these dunks. That's the next thing. They tell you maybe two, three weeks before the All-Star break that you win the dunk contest, right? Now, you can better the street ballers who practice all year round different dunks. That, like, that's all these do. So you're at a real disadvantage when it comes to the dunk contest. And then the second thing for me is that... We, we also have to acknowledge that, but a lot of these dunks have already been done. So dudes be thinking all type of off-the-wall stuff because a lot of the, I wouldn't say simple stuff, but a lot of the basic things you could think of have already been done. You can't go there and do no between-the-leg regular. You could have do that 20 years ago between-the-leg, and you could have get you could have get a 51 shot. You could have jumped from the free throw line. You could have got a 51 shot. Now, nah, fair to try jump from the free throw line right now. They're giving him a 45 based on what Jordan do a couple of years ago. So That's still uh, better than what these niggas doing. No, it's still better, but dudes trying to think outside the box, and they're and they doing it too. They're they, they thinking too hard, I feel. They're thinking too hard to where it's now, okay, you're trying to do dunks now that you probably can't even do. Right? I don't even know how much times you practice that. Some of them do it in LA. They practice some of them dunks, bro. Juan Descano Anderson from Golden State, he tried to do the Vince Carter arm in the rim. 
and his he wasn't nowhere close to getting his arm in the rim. I don't even understand what he's even thinking by doing that. Yeah, but that's the key with getting star players. See what guys don't realize is star players have a different mentality. Star players have that different performance gear into them. So at the end of the day, like these fellas used to sit on the bench. These fellas used to do fancy dunks in practice. All that old in your time, these fellas just do these dunks in warm-ups, you know. These fellas just look good when you know eyes on them, when it's just throwing the ball off the rim in warm-ups and doing your little whatever. These fellas in practice doing all type of weird crap. The problem is these fellas are not showtime performers. When they get in front of the crowd and everything slows down and the camera's sucking on you and everybody eyes on you and the gym go quiet because they waiting to explode for you to get this done. That's when these guys' hearts start beating and then they have hands start getting slippery, the ball flinging out their hand every time. See, that's the difference. That's why if you get guys who are showtime performers, like they say, like Levine and Jamarant and guys who used to being on the floor, who used to making big plays, who used to, like it's all a mental part of it too. That's why guys like Jordan and Dominique and all these guys used to be so successful because their their mental game is is far beyond what like just dunking and practice and warm-ups. A lot of these guys get picked because the media see these guys in warm-ups doing some crazy dunk, be like, oh, but he looked good in the dunk contest. Like where you find a Golden State guy from? Like what does he do for Golden State during the season? He had one post on McGee and they said he doesn't care for the dunk contest. Exactly. Like, so now you get in the game, you sneak someone who probably McGee well, McGee already a little off, but he probably didn't even know you was gonna get up like that. And this was probably your one time to shine. Your Grammy probably's in the arena, so you was like, yeah, let me go all out. So you trying to show off in front of your Grammy or your girl or something. You don't dip your head off. Now when you get there in the big stage, when the whole world looking at you, and this is your time to make a name for yourself, you put on one of the worst performances of all that. Thank God for Obi Toppin, who, in my eyes, to be honest with you, he was always, to me, a power dunker. Um, from my watching in college, everything was windmill. Like, he just is a windmill daddy, straight through. And then, if it ain't windmill, it's between the leg. So I was like, okay, I know this guy coming through. But he actually surprised me. He jumped over someone and put the ball around his back. It's like, oh, he, okay. He had some nice dunks. He had no, some really underrated dunks. He just didn't have enough power. To where I really get the crowd attention, but he had some he had some nice dunks. He had the dunk where he going behind your back, and he had the dunk where he going bounce it off the backboard and then dunk it in. Like uh, I mean, to me, I think he. I mean, obviously he went out, but to me, I think him the selection of him made plenty sense. Like if you watch him play in the game, if he on a fast break, he doing between the leg and actually right. So. He's an obvious selection for the dunk contest, right? But if you see a guy, you you picking a guy for dunk contest based off a poster, that's a little weird to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like anybody could get a poster. Anybody could sneak and get a a, a poster in the NBA. If as long as you six, seven, six, eight, you can sneak and get a poster. Right? Um my ideal dunk lineup, I think, would probably have been uh OB, Cha, Anthony Edwards. And um, I want to say Aaron Gordon, but I don't think Aaron Gordon would do it no more. Um, probably Miles Bridges. That probably have been my ideal 
ideal dunk lineup. I think you don't have to have all star, all all of them have to be stars, but you have to have at least one or two that are real draws that people really, really want to come and see. And that and that will just that alone will just bring up the energy, right? You could tell somebody, even the legends who were sitting courtside, did not even know who some of them dudes was who was dunking. You exactly. could you could, you could tell, right? You saw Shaquille O'Neal face screw up. When he saw them two do when he saw uh, them dudes missing all them dunks, you could see the judges losing patience. Right? Because they clearly is young dudes or whatever the case may be. You looking at them as if, you know, it's just young dudes, they wasting our time. But if you have some legends, I mean you have some not legends, you have some really good young players, some future all stars, the energy in the building automatically picks up. So they need to change that rule too and stop making I, I hate this day and age where they make everything so soft. Hey man. You got three dunk attempts. From you throw that ball and you bounce that or you make a charge at the rim, that's an attempt. From you attempt to dunk the ball, that's an attempt. These fellas here trying to do the same dunk eight, nine, ten times. Like, bro, first of all, this dunk done in that hard. Like, real talk. Like I say, I know Bahamian guys who legit could do these dunks. Secondly, like, you done mess up on the dunk like four or five times. You don't think it's time to switch the dunk? Like, you're still trying to do the same dunk. And then when you get on dunk 9 and 10, you finally dunk it. You expect someone to clap. It's like you taking the same test over, like the, the teacher got to give you the same test over just for you to pass. And then when you pass, you won an award. Like, bro, we, 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 we don't know so you could pass. Like, they, they got to take that over, bro. Like, these guys killing the dunk contest and I believe like that that actually adds pressure for guys to practice as well because if you know you only get two chances or three chances you know you can't come with their wasting no dunks so it's like either you can practice it or you can do better dunks that you know what you could do oh and then like I said some of these dunks don't make no sense you got these fellas coming out of the crowd to throw a ball off the side of the backboard you know how hard it is to throw the ball off the side of the backboard and have it bounce where you want it bounce like NBA players is have problems doing that. You got these jokey fellas who come stand up there who look like he, he this the first time he hold the ball in his life. And you could try to tell him throw the ball off the backboard and so you could catch him dunk it. Like, bro, the last time I see someone actually do that where that makes sense, I think when it's actually looking good, I think it was Steve Nash and Stoudemire. Like, Steve Nash is one of the best passes of all time. Nash and, he had, and I think he did that even a couple times. Yeah, Nash going kick the ball up. He going to flick and do one little kick wide. And start on my catch and dunk it. I think windmill, I think. So and it's then, like, how you, like, anyway, like that whole thing was upsetting. I don't even know why we wasted so much time talking about these dead guys. Just that dunk contest was just, yeah. just a waste of time. And then, like, even thinking about it, like, but I, I started to think about it now, it's like, but dog, we had. Some, some pretty solid dunk on this in the past, but yeah, even I remember when Iguodala was in it, and AI throwed off the backboard and he went millet. So, I mean, you got to get, you, I think I think putting rookies in it, because Jalen Green is a rookie, right? Jalen Green is a rookie. Cole Anthony's a second-year player. I think you're doing risky business by putting rookies and second-year players in it. I think you got to try to put in established dudes who people want to come and see. Exactly. Uh, you know I mean? And these ain't just rookies. These rookies on garbage teams. Like people in their own city don't watch them. Go like they play what Orlando Magics. Green play for what Houston Rockets. Like bro, people know John Wall more than more than they know Jaden. Like come on, man. Yeah, you, you, 
you got to do something better than that. You got to get established, established players. People, people at least could recognize by name. At least. Um, but yeah, that's that's our petition, NBA. Y'all, y'all try to get the stars back in. I don't know what y'all could do. Uh, I don't know what y'all could do, bro. Send out a memo. Uh, try incentivize it somehow. Um, but y'all got to try to get some good good players back in it. It only takes one. One domino got to fall. I think if I think one year they did something where um, they tried to get creative because, like you say, there's it's only so much dunks you could do. I mean, there's more dunks you could do now, but only so much dunks these guys can risk doing. And I think one year they did the whole wheel thing where you spin the wheel and then you have to imitate a legend who did the same dunk. So guys have to either do a free throw line dunk, a cradle dunk, uh, old-fashioned, like, like, I mean, at the same time, you don't want to see the same dunks over and over. But if it's young fellas who, like you say, don't have a name for themselves, at least if they can recreate it. If someone they come out there and trigger in, do a, a, a 360 windmill like Vince Carter, or do a cradle like Jordan, or jump for the free throw line, or do something, it, was much, it would have still been a better show than these guys friggin' doing whatever crap they was doing. So I, I don't remember what year that was, but I remember it was a year where these guys spin the wheel and whoever named the line, I think it was Dr. J, Michael Jordan, Massey Spud Webb, and someone else. I can't know. But you spin, you get a dunk. It's almost like in 2K uh, or NBA Live where you pick a, a section like 360 dunk, windmill dunk, uh, two-hand dunk, one-hand dunk. You just spin the wheel and then you do whatever dunk randomly pops up. So yeah, if they got to bring that back to at least get fellas to do better dunks, then try that. Because at the end of the day, these fellas in, they ain't got them. Yeah, they bring out Timberlands and, and Krills and all that other foolishness. And they think they creative. Like, really, bro? I watch fellas, <laughs> I watch fellas walk in the gym in slippers and put two hands down there. You really think in Timberlands? Come on, why? That was me, but like, he thought that was fresh? Wow. I miss it three, four times, but I don't understand. That that I think that pissed me off the most. Like but you you guys see if you miss it once. You miss it three, four, five times. Like you say, they don't really count as attempts. But you are clearly trying to do the same dunk. You ain't getting it off. And you expect the crowd to still be into it. The crowd ain't gonna be into that. Exactly. So uh anyway, they gotta do something with it. Dunk on this is one of my favorite things growing up. I'd like to see it, you know, revamp a little bit. But um, yeah, they gotta they gotta think about what they could do. Um, let's get to the the actual game itself on su- on Sunday. So on Sunday, like you said, they had the uh, they still experiment with a new Kobe format, which I think been working for them for the past two three years. Um, and it's they play uh four quarters. Um, three the first three are timed. You win the winner of each quarter gets to win a certain amount of money. Donated to a charity, and then the last quarter they is the first person to twenty four essentially, um, from wherever the score stopped. So, uh, I feel as if for the last few All Star games, this has caused it to be a little bit more competitive. I think I don't know if it's just because guys are really trying to honor Kobe by just really playing hard. Um, I, I do think that's a that's a big portion of it. I do think people are still trying to honor the spirit of Kobe, which is which is a great thing for the league. Um, 
And again, this is what we talk about again, about star power. Star power will help you to tune into anything, right? So um, overall, I think the game was just a, a score fest. No one's really playing defense. But that, that last half, right, um, you know, I thought team LeBron, particularly Steph, uh, Steph and Giannis and LeBron, they really put on, they really put on the show the last, the last two quarters. Um, yeah, I guess, like I said, the All-Star game, it was exciting. Only thing I like, this, this is why I, I like sports. In a way, it's unpredictable, but in a way, it's still scripted. So sometimes you wa- you just watching it to see if it can turn out the way you think it can turn out, or if it's going to be, a, it's almost like wrestling. It's like sometimes you could figure out the storyline before it happened, you'd be like, I know that's going to happen. Or sometimes they pop you up with a surprise. My thing was, and I know Vegas was smart, like I said, I sports bet. Obviously, you in Cleveland, uh, LeBron was going to win this. Um, LeBron obviously picked a better team. Um, and on top of that, even coming down the stretch, I had no fear. And this was the first time I could ever say this. I, I, even with LeBron playing for my team, this was the first time coming down the crunch time I could ever say, I know LeBron was going to hit this last shot. Like, it's only, it was basically scripted. You in Cleveland. You done basically throwed all your propaganda all weekend, but all the doors still open for a return and blah, blah, blah. Run on, garbage, all that. Definitely, definitely get out that later. Come back here, tell people, <laughs> say, oh, wherever Bronny is, you go in. So all you're doing is raising your son's stock because you're trying to get him to pick early because you know he ain't good enough to get picked number one. So now you're trying to raise his stock by throwing you in it. So it's almost like you getting draft again because whoever drafting that year just can draft Bronny because they know they get LeBron as a package. Um, so I know LeBron was team was going to win first of all. Um, second of all, like of course they can give him the last shot. As hard as Steph was, Steph Steph freaking scored fifty shot shooting over his mind. Like that was the first time I see Steph shoot like that since he came back from his injury. Uh, I mean he had some good performances, but not like that. Like dog is be wild and wild and like Steph making three pointers look easier than fellas in the dunk contest. Like when you six nine, six ten, dunk shouldn't be hard to you. You could raise your arm and touch the rim. So, like, you're supposed to be making dunks look easy. This guy making three-pointers look easy because he's throwing the ball in the air and turning around before the ball even starts coming down towards the rim. Like, that's that's a different level of not just confidence because some guys could do it and the ball still get miss. That ain't just a different level of confidence. That's a different level of science. Like, dog know that his ball already on the path going in he could feel it like sometimes as a shooter when you're in that zone you could legit feel from that ball leave your hand you could legit feel like bro i just posing after that like when my wrist up i just posing because i don't let that go and i could feel but that that's straight i ain't worrying with that so i know he in that zone of where play from i let that release go i could do a whole backflip in the back here i know that ball on it so that was an entertaining game um, usually you don't get much entertainment from shooting. You get more entertainment from downs, from crossovers, from alley-oops, stuff like that. But Steph actually made shooting very entertaining that night. Yeah. Um, I, did, I did tweet before the game, before the game that 
I, I had LeBron or Steph to win MVP um, because I felt both of them had motive. Um, LeBron being from Cleveland, obviously, you know, I done running on but the Cleveland talks in the, in the media session. I said, this boy definitely have motive to win MVP um, for the All-Star game, you know, if it come down to that. And then Steph, Steph was getting booing it. People, Steph was booing, getting booing thing. Cleveland, Cleveland fans still salty about what happened a couple of years back. So they was booing him. So I was like, all right, this boy got a motive too. That's to like shut up the booze. And that's what great players do. Great players is come out and they don't, they don't mind the noise. They just come out and shut up the, shut up the noise. But um, like you say, about the shooting display, what he, what he, what he put on, I mean, boy, I don't, I don't know if anybody else in the league could could do something like that and have, have people so entertained. I don't I don't know if anybody else in the league could do something like what he did. In the um, league? Yeah, I don't know if anybody else in the league could do something. Exactly. I don't know anybody else in NBA history yeah. that has been doing what Steph do. Steph, no one I've ever seen. I don't care what great shooter you call. Ray Allen, stand there and watch his shot. Tell, tell it, go in. Yeah, Reggie Miller, watch his shot. Larry Bird, watch his shot. But this guy, this guy, is, even Clay Thompson, as good as they say Clay Thompson is just, some people say Clay Thompson is beat Steph in shooting competitions in, in practice. And exactly. Clay will stand there. And for, I, nah, I don't Clay will you know, yeah. I see Clay will do some crazy crap. And I feel like Clay could go off at some point. But even him is follow through and hold his pose until he see the ball through. But, this crazy guy. Legit is just fling it and go. And it ain't even the fact that, at least it ain't only the fact that he's spinning around and doing all that. Like, this boy doing it off the dribble, uh, fanaways, from half court. Like, usually great shooters, like, you talk about Ray Allen. Most people think Ray Allen, excuse me, is the second greatest shooter all the time. Ray Allen ain't shooting his regular form from half court. Of course. That, that's what this boy doing. This boy pulling from half court his regular form. And it just splashing through the net. And he had the one where he pump fake, take one step within half court, throw it up, turn around, walk down by Giannis. Giannis, I'm staring at him, short going in. Doesn't like even look back at the rim yet. Right? And I, like, like, it's like, like, man, it's, it's crazy. 16 trees. And we know the start start game. And don't, and, and doers don't really play no defense. But, that taking a lot out of you in terms of energy, but just to get the, some of the shots he was getting off, that taking a lot out of you, but to hit 16 of them, even in an all-star game, right? Some NBA players can't do that in an open gym, right? And he hit that in an all-star game. After a while, he started to try to defend him, too, because it started to get ridiculous. After a while, them dudes are starting to, okay, let's just take the ball of yarns at least, you know? And he still was dropping them in. So... He really saved that All-Star Weekend, in my opinion. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was a horrible All-Star Weekend, but he really saved it. Um, he really saved that performance. And then LeBron, you know, had the storybook ending, like you said, uh, you know, caught the ball. Uh, I don't know if people remember Michael Jordan's last All-Star game when he had the fadeaway over, I think that's Sean Mine. Uh, LeBron shot, you know, obviously looked very similar to that. Um, and he hit the fadeaway and, and, and he win the game. I mean, perfect, perfect script, perfect ending. Um, I think the overall All Star weekend was definitely a success. Um, and yeah, the NBA, the NBA should be proud of that. 
Um, yeah, uh, but, but I mean, like you say, um, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me how this whole shot, like they try to build shooters. And it's amazing to me that the majority of the best shooters to ever play don't have good form. Even Steph would say, I don't really work on no form. At the end of the day, my ball goes to the rim. Steph have a push shot. Mm-hmm. In, in high school, that's the type of shot. The shot that Steph has is actually like a, a junior high type shot. That's the shot you actually shoot when you ain't strong enough to flick the yeah, ball with your wrist. So you push the ball up. And he just went with it from there. Um, same thing with guys like Reggie Miller. I wouldn't even start with that garbage. I don't know how that used to go in. That man used to cross his arm after he shoots. Sure, sure, and that ball's coming. Uh, guys like Rashad Lewis and Ray Allen, slingshot. Put it above the head and flick it with two hands at the rim. And Ray Allen has jumped really, really high on his jump shot. Yeah, they, Ray Allen shoots flat. Yeah, they don't tell you. He's jumped high. He's jumped dead high and shoot this ball straight at the rim. Same thing with um, guys like Larry Bird. Crank. Larry Bird will crank that ball, put that guy in it. The only person I could say who really has an elbow in, a high arc, follow through wrist shot is Clay Thompson. Yeah, he has one of the, more, the, 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 the perfect form for a perfect shot. But most of the shooters in NBA history, if you really go back and look at it, most of the best shooters in NBA history have some of the weirdest forms, have some of the weirdest shots. And it's amazing. I mean, I ain't telling people whatever, but I saying, all I'm saying is do it works for you. Now, if you trash and you need to get your shot better, follow the format. But if you if you good with what you shooting with and it drop it, but it go with what you shooting with. Cause obviously guys like Steph, Reggie Miller, uh, Ray Allen, obviously they showing you that that it is what it is. Once the ball go in, ain't nobody disputing what you're doing. I keep telling people, Steph don't take good shots. None of those shots was good. Not probably like five out of that sixteen that he hit was good. Uh, the only thing that makes the good the shot good is the results. If Steph was taking the same shots and missing them, he'd be out the league by now. He'd be someplace playing Euro ball, yeah, someplace trying to be a traditional point guard, passing the ball, running pick and roll and garbage like that. Because he could hit that shot, it turns him into a totally different player. It turns his bank account into a totally different tax bracket just because that ball could go through the hoop when he fling that like that. I, and I, and, I, and I, I'll even add to that. And this ain't no disrespect to do it, nothing like that. And this ain't no oversimplification. But uh, if Steph didn't have his shooting ability, that's it's basically the difference between Steph and a dude like Jimmy Fredette, right? Jimmy Fredette used to take logo shots too. Right, people remember Jimmy for that in college from taking the logo shots as well, right? In the NBA, they wasn't dropping as much, and now people are trying to figure out why are you taking it, right? So, um, and like I tell people, it all depends on. It all depends on who you are as a player, uh, your confidence level of work you put in, and all that other stuff. You know, I'm I coaching style as well. Um, I don't think your staff went to the T Wolves. He would have been playing the same. I don't think he would have even been the same player. I think, um, well, how I feel about that is this. If you see a dude hitting 20 half-court shots, if he in practice and he hitting 20 half-court shots, 20 out of 20, 
I think you would be a fool not to let him take them again. That's how I, that's how I feel for it. I feel like if 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 you see a dude doing all that all that and practice and he and he's shooting at a high level, I think you'd be a fool to say no. You'll never do it again. I think I you mean, should say, wait, let's at least try it once. At least try it once to see what happens. I mean, yeah, but then at that point in time too, you 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 got coaches them who don't care. Like you got guys them who will run the team how they want to run the team, and they tell you you're a point guard. You should be your chair, making plays for everybody else and setting guys up. I don't think. If it wasn't for that system, I honestly don't think Steph would be the player he is. I think he owes a lot of his career path to Steve Kerr allowing that happening. Because even when they had um, Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson may have assembled that team, but their whole offense was totally different when they had him there. So it's it's like because of the freedom and because of Kerr, being the coach that he is, because you know, Corey could have come in there and say, Hey, I come from Phil Jackson and I want to run a triangle. And if they run a triangle, Steph Career was definitely wasn't gonna be the same. Because number one, who's your big man to run a triangle to? Draymond? But that'd be crazy. This is why I always tell people that I believe great coaches adjust to the personnel, right? Mark Jackson, when he came in there, um, I know you say you gotta give Mark Jackson credit because he he assembled the team, and he's the first person to call Steph and play the greatest shooting backcourt ever, right? This is why these young dudes, right? And he's calling him the greatest shooting backcourt ever. When Mark Jackson was there, Steph was still an all-star player. He was an all-star player. Uh, he was an ascending star. Um, Steve Kerr turned him. I wouldn't say Steve Kerr turned him, but the offense being built around him was what allowed him to be a top five player in the NBA, right? Um, Mark Jackson still had him as a pure point guard, essentially. Mark Jackson, he's running the ball up court. He's running pick and rolls. He's setting up his teammates here to get other people involved. When Steve Kerr came, Steve Kerr basically sat down and looked at it and said, listen, we could build an offense just revolving around getting Steph as much open shots as possible. And clear as well. Get them as much open shots as possible. That's it. If you have the screen, screen. If you got a... Set down turn, down screen, set back picks, whatever. Get these dudes as much open shots as possible. And that was playing around your person's strengths, right? It's still a motion offense, but it's still playing around your person's strengths. Great coaches always, to me, like I say, adjust to what stars they have. It don't make sense you having a dynamic uh, passing center, right? A center who could pass, who could pass the hell of the ball, right? But you tell him you can get the ball, just give it to the point guard. Don't worry about nothing else. Just give it to the point guard, right? You have to play around your team's strengths, right? You have to, you have to. If if your big man could shoot, and you tell him don't shoot, just stay on the inside, then you ain't playing to his strengths. You know what I mean? And you limiting you limiting your team by doing that, right? So I think. On the high school level, that stuff is probably probably works a little bit better where you could just build a structure or whatever the case may be. But when you get to a college level, D1, and even and to the pros, you got to identify your stars, identify what they could do well, and you got to play their strengths. But that's not the best chance to always win. Um, and that's and that's what's turned dudes careers around. That's what we remember when dudes careers get turned around. Uh. All right, so moving on um, from the other side, we had a bit of a news 
bit a lot a lot of news coming out. Before I get to the LeBron stuff, because there's a lot of LeBron stuff. Um let me just bring up the uh the stuff with Zion. So now we're getting some news that CJ McCollum, who was recently traded to New Orleans, had said that he hadn't heard from Zion um, since he was traded there. Right? He hadn't heard from Zion, and no one in the team has been able to give him any information on where Zion is and all that other stuff. And since he said that, JJ Reddick came on TV today and said that, excuse me, that Zion is a bit of a detached teammate. See, JJ played with him in New Orleans. And said that Zion just needs to do a better job. Like he can't be that distant. And since then, Zion has looked like he's reached out or whatever. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on? Because we haven't really heard much on Zion. He's been out with a mysterious injury for the entire season. Um, there are reports that he does not want to be in New Orleans. Um, there are reports that he's overweight. Right. What What are your thoughts on Zion doing this? Uh, at such a young age. Now you see, this is the this is the league that they created. This is what I call the LeBron effect. This is the diva, the diva nation guys. Now they have everybody could be a diva now in sports and be dramatic uh, because they feel like someone owed them something. My thing is, see, don't don't. My thing is, don't spoil the don't spoil the prize. At the end of the day, first of all. Zion started off as a YouTube sensation. Zion was basically built into the player that he is. For years, fellas was telling Zion, you're going to need to lose weight. Yes, it is spectacular that you throw in this 300 pounds in the air like this, but at your height, you're going to need to lose weight. Even Charles Barkley came out at the All-Star break room saying how when he first came in the league, uh, Moses Malone told him that, bro, you too fat for guys that is that are, that is 6'6", six, six, and it's going to hinder your career. And he said, listen, if you want to get in shape, I'll work with you. So Charles Barkley slimmed down, and, that, and he became the player that he was, even though as, at some point he still was overweight. But he was in a much better position than he is now. The problem with New Orleans is they don't have that, better, that veteran leadership. They don't have that guy to go to Zion and say, hey, big man, I don't care what pick you is. You're too fat and out of shape. You're not going to help the team if you're always on the sideline in code two. So with Zion, everybody trying to put all this weight on Zion to be the leader. And in his eyes, it's like, bro, I just reach out. Like, this is like you getting a seat. People always look at these guys. And it's, if you look at him like he's some super spectacular thing, that's your opinion of him. In his eyes, he's a 20-year, 21-year-old kid. I come into an organization that has president, that has CEOs, that has uh, a coach, that has a whole staff. Why should I be the one to always, why is it on me? Now, if I do reach out to guys, that's cool. If I don't, what's the big deal? I just reach out. I'm, that, that's, I'm trying to get myself together. And if I just so happen not to reach out to a new guy, who come to my team that I don't even know, what's the big deal, bro? I'm not a 30-year-old, a, a 10-year veteran asking for this guy to come here or begging for this guy to come here. You all make your trades as GM. If anything, you all need to be welcoming into the city. Like you say, I probably don't even want to be here. So what I can reach out to the guy for and say, oh, hey, welcome to New Orleans, because you all probably don't want me to tell him 
that boy this this a this a dump. This a wasteland. <laughs> it's best that you probably don't let me talk to him because I, I obviously I motivated the player. Um, the thing with Zion is, or the whole thing is, like I said, you got to look at these guys. That's like you go into a job. You was the youngest person there. You just reach on this job, and they telling you when people come in, you was the one who gotta show them around, and you was the one who gotta welcome them to the to the company. Bro, I just reached the company. How you want me? What happened to all these other veterans around here? Why JJ ain't call everybody else up? Why JJ ain't call the fellas who've been there? I sure you got other fellas who've been on that team three, four, five, six years. Why ain't call nobody else up? Why you want about me? So I, in my eyes, um, it is a right and a wrong, but don't you can't put all that on Zion because oh I reach out like bro, I ain't like what you want me to do? Like I ain't into that. I ain't. Yeah, this um Zioning is interesting to me because I think I think it could cause people to really evaluate. And yeah, like you, you say, we we really in the player empowerment era, right? We really put, in the player empowerment a era. picture that that that's not fair to him. Um, but I think people are really going to start evaluating now. Um, how much? Um, and when I say people, like probably mean people coming into the draft, right? Players coming into the draft. How much power do they really hold in terms of determining their fate? You know, we've heard it before that, you know, like people have said it before that if you, you choose a job, you could choose whatever job you want to choose. You could choose to work at which company you want to work to. Uh, athletes, they don't get to choose which organization they play for, right? And I think you see now a lot of athletes, it's been happening, but I think you see now a lot more athletes trying to force their way, strong arm their way into certain situations. And um, you have athletes in the past that have only worked out for certain teams, right? They say, I only work out for this one team. I don't want to work out for no one else, right? And um, for Zion, when I could remember that draft lottery, Claire's day, because I wanted to do the fall to the next. Claire's day, I remember that draft lottery. And when they announced that New Orleans had the first pick, you saw Zion's face, it did not look like excitement. It did not look like he was happy with the fact that New Orleans at the first pick. Um, and we have a dude who in year three, right? Your first year, you ain't really play like that. Your second year, you had a really good year, your second year. You had an all-star level year, your second year. Your third year, which is now, you ain't played for the entire season. And already it looks like you fed up with a franchise. And I mean, it's it's this generation is is a little weird to me, boy, because you didn't see the older players dealing with that. Now, granted, like I say, not everybody's happy that they get drafted to certain teams. Now, Steph didn't want to get drafted by Golden State. Okay. Kobe wanted to fall to LA, wanted to get to LA, right? He basically forced his way to LA, right? So this is not new, but oftentimes you still see players say, okay, I get drafted here. You know, um, let me make it work until it's my time for free agency. And if you leave in free agency, I don't I don't really have no problem with that. You know, I think everybody obligated to leave in free agency. And, you know, everybody obligated to ask for a trade too. But at some point, it's like, okay, um, what are we doing to get to that point? You know what I mean? Like you want out. But you ain't even really producing. You see, what I said, like I see, if you want out, I see if you want to get traded, 
and you still giving your all on the court. That's different, right? But you want out and you ain't playing. You ain't showing up to practice. You ain't showing up to games. You basically pouting on your way out the door. Like I feel it, it's, it's a bad precedent with being set. I can make it seem as if LeBron did that because LeBron always left during free agency. But I will say that LeBron incentivized a lot of people to do it, namely Anthony Davis. That was the main person he did incentivize to act a certain way to get out of New Orleans. So it's just it's just a weird generation we're in right now where players just pouting and whining and sort of turning the NBA a little bit into a soap walk almost. Um, yeah, just so the, the problem with that is, like I said, like you say, LeBron is advocating for these guys to, I guess, pick where you want to play or have a desk. But like you say, LeBron, he never do that. He never forced no trade. He didn't even forced no harm. Even now, when he say he can play with his son, his contract will be up the same year. His son is available. So they ain't like, oh, I forced him to trade me and this and that, which he could have easily done at any point in time in his career. And it would have been like, you ain't had no choice. Um, secondly, like I tell people, you can't come. I mean, it's good that guys try to mentor you and stuff like that, but there, there are stages in life. You, LeBronian, the type who was doing these things at 24, when LeBron finally got his will to clear, he's done seven seasons in. He gave them from 2003 to 2010. He gave them seven seasons. So that means he was off his rookie deal and he already signed the extension with Cleveland. So he made, and he made it to finals. So he gave them time to palm out. And then after a certain amount of time, he said, okay, listen, all right, I gave y'all y'all seven years. This ain't looking too strong. Time to slide it. These guys coming in and in one year or two year, same thing with Ben Simmons. You just reached, bro. You still, you just signed an extension the other day. You was happy, but you was happy for the money. Now, when it comes to contract obligation, all of a sudden now, and I don't, bl I don't blame teams for finding these guys. Because you can't be a chair, think you go finesse me and you want me to pay this big 30 something million dollar contract a year. But then you can tell me you ain't showing up to practice, you ain't showing up to game, you ain't listening to my training staff, you ain't care what the medical staff have to say, you want sit out. And then you will go to another team and then you will come out today and say, oh, you'll be ready in a couple of weeks. <laughs> What happened, what happened to the <laughs> mental health? What happened to the assistance that you needed? What happened to all the, the drama that you caused when you was with my team? Now you in Brooklyn. All of a sudden is, boy, I ramping up my workouts. I can be ready in a couple of weeks. What you mean, bro? What you mean? Yeah. yeah. What, what have they done to me? What have Philly done? And, and, and the problem, I, I also, Doc Rivers is not, not a good coach. I always tell people that. This year, Philly has a top team with an MVP candidate. I guarantee you right now that Philadelphia will not win the NBA championship this year. I guarantee that. I don't care what happened. Yeah, I can't see them winning it either. Um, they have too much perennial chokers. You know about Doc Rivers, James Harden, 
I, I wouldn't call Embiid a choker, but Embiid does get a little flustered on the playoff lights. He's still young, so that could always improve. But yeah. Um, but even with Harden, even with Harden, you mentioned Simmons, even with Harden, right? Let's look at Harden. This dude get every single thing he wanted in Houston. Every single thing. You want a Dwight Howard, they give him Dwight Howard. The minute he wanted Dwight Howard out, they ship him out. He wanted Chris Paul. The minute he wanted Chris Paul out, they ship him out. He said, give me Russell Westbrook. The minute that didn't work out, after that, he was out. Right? And this is a dude who gone get traded to Brooklyn. Beg for a trade. Get traded to Brooklyn. Not even two years in. Two. She was barely a year in because we get traded mid No, we get traded at the beginning of the season. But not even two years in. You already decide, you know what? This ain't working. I went out again. And it's like, wait, when would it stop? And it's always a period, and this is the thing with Harden, it's always a period where his play, you can tell, it's very obvious by him playing that he don't want to be there. In Houston, show up the camp out of shape. Show up the camp out of shape, get blowed um, in the opening preseason games. And then I can come to the press conference and say, we just ain't good enough. We don't have a good team. Right? You ain't even trying. Right? And and the last game he played for, for Brooklyn. Right? It was obvious the door didn't want to be out there. They was giving up three after three of the Sacramento get bloat in Sacramento, then afterwards you say, sit out, I got an armstring issue. Now, didn't barely want to show up the All-Star weekend, right? And you could see it when Kevin around, then pick him last in the All-Star draft. So it's like, at, at some point, like I said, I could respect if you leave in free agency. If everybody have their right to leave in free agency. If you feel as if the team ain't doing you good, your contract up, you're free to explore your options. I could, re- I could always respect that. I can respect if you ask for trade and you still go there and do your job. I can't respect if you ask for something and then you start pouting and whining and carrying on. And even with Ben Simmons, I agree with what Ben Simmons wanting out of Philly. I agree with that. But when he started doing all that extra stuff, um, showing up to practice, going on five minutes later, that's when I was like, all right, bro. What you trying to accomplish here? You know what I mean? I ain't lie. If I ain't playing, I ain't, I, ain't, I, ain't, I need to be here for the full practice for two. But um, my thing is, with Harden, Harden, my thing is, I keep telling guys, see, everybody like to run on, but oh, when you get to the NBA, but the goal is a championship. Stop it. Please, stop it. If you get and you win a championship, like people like Draymond, you're just lucky to be in certain situations where you add to a team, and it becomes a championship team. A lot of people play this game for money, for the fame, for the stardom that comes with it. James Harden has never in his career has ever come up and publicly say, oh, this season, it's, it's all about the championship. Disregard everything else, um, this is all about the championship. Obviously not. James Harden made it to the finals with OKC and still cried to get out of there. James Harden was just in Brooklyn on a championship team and cried to get out of there. So it's like, you know where he's most happy? When he's in Houston losing. When he's just getting to the playoffs. You know why they don't be 
you know why it's no no problem getting the playoffs? Because after you don't get your 35, 40 million dollars a year, every round you make in the playoffs, it's now an extra thousand fifty thousand dollars a game or or something, something like it's, it's every round is an extra incentive. Every game you play in the playoffs is more money. You got guys out here who just playing for the money. Don't forget, James Harden is is one of the uh, the four hundred million dollar guys. He got two hundred million dollars from Houston when the CMGM that brought him to Philly was there, and then he got two hundred million dollars from Adidas when he had his foot barefoot with them crab toes at that time. He got lifetime Adidas now. Yeah, exactly. So, so my thing is obviously, dog, content. You really think I can share to risk it all for any championship? And I got got four or five hundred million dollars set up, and I ain't even the top player in the league. So if I'm the top player in the league, at no point in time, and you let me shoot up all the ball, you let me run the team I want, do what I want, and you gonna pay me top dollars? You think I really care about any? Uh, why you think they say he was uncomfortable in Houston? I mean in um, Brooklyn. My thing is, even he said it. Philly was always my first choice. Not because of the city, not because of the team, but the, it was because that GM is the GM who changes his whole career. That GM is the GM that traded for him to get to Houston. That GM is the GM who gave him that super deal. That G, GM is the GM that gave him all that money, all that incentive, gave him the keys to the city, gave him Every he everything he wants. So the only reason James Harden probably didn't go to Philly right off the bat is because Houston probably was salty and was like, but we ain't trading to play to Philly because we know that GM will leave us in Philly. So he's like, okay, let me go to another team. That's probably the main reason. See if it looked good. And then I can still force my way to get to Houston because he can be a free agent this summer. So his plan was always, but what I go to Brooklyn for? KD done Maxo. Uh, Kyrie done Maxo. You think I can get stuck in Brooklyn? No, big brother. When I go to uh, Philadelphia, only Embiid really marks out. And Tobias Harris, we can cut that anytime. We're ready to cut that. If James hadn't come out right now and start warring with Tobias Harris, he gone this summer. So it's like, who you think can get a Supermax this summer? I guarantee you, James Harden's going to get one of the biggest contracts in the league, either this summer or next summer, regardless of his health. Regardless of them winning a championship, regardless of them making the playoffs or whatever he does, James Harden will get one of the wealthiest contracts in NBA history in the next twelve months. Well, even with um, a point you said just now, some people play for the money. I think you're absolutely right. Some people do play for the money, and I think the NBA recently at their top seventy-five ceremony, James Harden was on the list obviously. Um, to me, these are the things that determine your legacy, right? Like, yes, people play for the money. But if the, the great, great players, anytime we had them speak, it was always about championships. You heard Jordan speak, it was about championships. Kobe, it was about championships. Even LeBron, you hear him speak, LeBron concerned about winning rings, right? These players now, and like you say, it's not that they don't want to win. They want to win their way, right? They want to win in terms of they being the main guy, I taking 30 shots a game, the offense built around me, and if we win like that, cool. Other than that, let me just get my money, 
and go home. But like I tell people before, you know, people look at a guy like Dame, for instance, and Dame is a great player, right? And people saying, you know, Dame path, him leaving Portland, it's hard. You know, Dame taking the hard path to win a championship. In my opinion, Dame taking the easy path because he know in Portland he ain't have no chance to win a championship. It's absolutely zero pressure on you to win a championship in Portland, right? Mm -hmm. No one's expecting anything from you. So all you do is make your starts, pull them to the playoffs a little piece, you get bounced out the first round, everybody's still praising you. The real pressure, as we see in now with Westbrook, is when you have to integrate yourself into a championship team. That's the real pressure. Because now the expectation's on you. Now people expect you to win a championship. And if you don't deliver, that's when people look at you in a different light. So a lot for a lot of people, winning in your unit that important, and you could see it by their 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 decisions and their and their um what they what they value, you could see it. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, to me, like I said, that winning is what really separates the greats from the people that, you know, that are not so great. Yeah, I guess. Um, speaking of winning and, and, and championships, the Brooklyn Nets added another piece this week and getting another point guard in Gordon Dragic. And at this point in time, it is it, almost getting to the point of unfair um, because at full strength, these guys game complement each other so much to the point of, especially with that coach. See, I think if, if you get a Brooklyn Golden State final, I think that will be one of the most offensive finals in NBA history because you can have guys like Steph, Clay, um, you got Jordan Poole who's come alive when he's ready, uh, Draymond Gear hard five points, um, same fellas. And then on the other side, you got Durant, you got Kyrie, you got Simmons. People think Simmons just is a pass voice, but he's a pass voice player who still could average 20-something points a game. Um, Drummond playing defense. You got Dragic now, who's another guy who could spread the floor. Then you got guys coming off the bench like Seth Curry, um, Harris, all these things. And it's like, with that Steve Nash offense, where it's run and gun, and you have a big guy in the center, once that ball come off the rim, you got either Simmons, who's a very good rebounder, who could start a break. You got Durant and Kyrie running on the wing. It's like, how are you stopping this? The only thing that could beat the Brooklyn Nets going forward is health. A healthy Brooklyn Nets team is not going to get beat this season. Trust me. Even with the Milwaukee Bucks, even when it was only Durant last year, one big toe, because Durant won wear size 22, one big toe is what stopped Durant from beating Milwaukee by himself. So now if Durant got someone like a Ben Simmons, who has the same size as Giannis, who has very good defensive skills that could slow him down, not stop him, but slow him down from getting a head start to the rim. And then you get Andre Drummond behind you, backing you up to come over on the help side. You really got a chance now in the Eastern Conference to dominate Milwaukee. You could dominate Chicago. You could dominate Miami. 
you could dominate any team you go up against because you have now not just an offensive firepower. You got one of the best rim protectors in the league. I don't care what no one say about Andre Drummond. He's one of the best rim protectors and defensive rebounding picks. And you get one of the best perimeter defenders. So instead of only adding offense to your team, you turn your offensive team into now a more well-rounded all-around team because you got guys like Katie who could give you 50, Kyrie who could give you 40, Ben who could give you 30, Seth Curry who could give you 20, and then you got guys who could lock down your best, your best perimeter player and slow down your best post player. So the big matchup I want to see in the East is Brooklyn going through Philadelphia. And then when it gets to the finals, I want to see Brooklyn go through Golden State. Those two matchups, if we could get them this year, this would be one of the best playoffs, even though we had some good playoffs recently. This would be a good playoffs to watch if you could get those teams match up in those type of situations. For entertainment purposes, I definitely want to see Brooklyn and Golden State. For entertainment purposes, for sure. Entertainment purposes, the same thing, Brooklyn and Philadelphia. I'd love to see that. That, that would be an intense... I think that series goes seven games just off the hatred, right? Just off the hatred, I think that series goes seven games. Um, however, with, with Brooklyn, I don't, I just, I don't think it's Brooklyn yet. I think it's it's too stacked at the top of the East. I think uh, Ben Simmons is going to need some time to get integrated within within that system. Um, how does he look? I mean, at the end of the day, you only ask him to play defense and rebound for sure, right? And if Kyrie is healthy, if Kyrie is allowed to play full games, then yeah, they got as best shot as anybody. Um, but the East still tough, boy. The East still tough. I Giannis them still tough. Philly, I don't really believe in Philly that much, but Philly could 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 be at the top there. Um, Miami, I I I still if you're on Miami, I, I picked them to come out, but I if you're on them, Miami. They they still tough at the top there as well, so I don't think Brooklyn can walk in this year. But I think Brooklyn have a, have a hard if they want to get there, especially with the seat in there. And now, obviously, like I say, with Kyrie being restricted by vaccination mandates, it's actually better that they have a low seat so that he can play most of the games of that series. Um, but it could be a tough, tough road. Now, the good thing is, like I say, Katie getting rest. Katie getting rest. So he should be ready to go and play off road around. But it could be a tough road in the East, but the East, East at the top, at least, is 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 a little difficult. And then Boston rising now too. I, although I don't think Boston will beat Brooklyn. But it'll be a tough road. Like I say, a healthy Brooklyn, none of those teams will call beat them. If you name Chicago, they don't have a five to stack up with Brooklyn five. If you go like I say, Philly. I would love to see Simmons guide James Harden and Drummond go head to head with Embiid. That, that's that'll kids. be pretty. Nah, I wouldn't say that. What in the in the paint? No, that's kids. The only thing, the only advantage Embiid have is that he's a very good jump shooter. He'll kill you with the mid range and he'll kill you with three point. Go into the rim. They got footage on YouTube of Embiid and Bars and Drummond in a couple games, bro. And Boston completely outplaying him. And like, you think I mean, come right back and do the same thing over, knowing that yes, this is what Trump you come is the worst player, much worse player. 
than Embiid. He's a much worse player. That's 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 not his. defensively. Nah, if you want to say Durant wins his matchup by a lot, of course. Durant wins his matchup by a lot. Whoever gotten him, he wins that matchup by a lot. Um the key would obviously be, like I said, Kyrie. The key would be Kyrie. If Kyrie is there, it could be Kyrie, difficult. Kyrie has zero to worry about. At it this point difficult. in time, um, New York is already really um, slacking up on some of their COVID restrictions. You now can come in, in dining without masks, without all these. In a matter of weeks, probably, you're going to hear now that Kyrie can play full games. Um, so when you get Kyrie up to speed, you get Simmons up to speed, you got Durant coming back, and then you got a mix of shooters and defensive guys who you just had there. It's no way you're beating a healthy Brooklyn. No team in the East. Yeah, the, team, the East is top heavy, but they top heavy for second place. They top heavy to see who going to the Eastern Conference Finals against Brooklyn. Like, I don't see no five, even with Giannis, them like I say. Now you don't even have to put Durant on Giannis no more. You actually can let Durant. Take his time on defense and guard whoever else they got up there. What Chris Middleton? Ooh. And you could put Simmons on Giannis and go like that. Chicago, someone got to prove that there's a playoff performer. Right? I don't believe in Chicago. Um, the Rosen, the Rosen, and I mean, I think he can't do it, but the Rosen hasn't proven himself to be a playoff guy to carry a team. Sackler being neither. Uh, Lonzo Ball, definitely no. Um, so it's like Chicago could be one of those teams. It's always every year as a top team that disappoints you. Like always like how Utah is be a top team in the West every year and never go nowhere. That's how Chicago looks to me this year. They don't have that superstar power to where in the fourth quarter you could actually throw a ball in and say, hey, give me 20 points in the fourth quarter to close this game out and that guy could do it. So with them and with Boston, Boston to me is too small. Um, and not defensive enough to deal with Brooklyn. There's no team in these I see even getting close. The closest team probably is either Milwaukee or Philadelphia. And even if you match them up head to head, you see that Brooklyn is far more talented, far more better position. Uh, I would say this. I don't trust Philly. If I had trust Philly, I'd have Philly come out the East. I think Philly is, 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 is a better balanced team than Brooklyn. I think Philly, you have oh. a dominant big man who can score. You have a hybrid guard who can score and facilitate. You got defenders, uh, Thibel, Danny what, what Green. Um, you got a third guy, Tobias Harris, who can also get you 20 a night, a reliable 20 a night. Like this, you know, theoretical, he could give you 20 a night consistently. You got a young emerging star, Tyrese Moxie. To me, Philly have the best balanced team, but I just don't trust their coaching. Yeah, that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's the biggest thing with now. Well, coaching, I don't trust Harden. I, I think those are the biggest things. I don't trust coaching. I don't trust Harden. But if Philly was to come out of the East, I wouldn't be that surprised because they have, to me, they have the best balanced team. Um, they have enough scoring options and they got defense on both sides. They got a, you talk about rim protecting center, and B is probably top two. And then, and then, and then who? What? Because in, in B, see, the problem is, this is what I look at with matchups. If your best is guiding my voice, you ineffective. Because guess what? Who in B is guiding? Drummond? I ain't expecting nothing from Drummond. Drummond ain't going to give me 30 points, no up. So if in B is the best defender, 
and you're putting them on Drummond. Okay, that's cool. Every, everything cool. Number two, who's the second best defender? Tybal. And who Tybal got? Tybal got a guard, probably one of KD. You know? I wouldn't ah, suggest. I, would, I wouldn't suggest he got KD because KD could score on you, which way. I exactly. suggest he probably got. Uh, probably want to carry them. Kills. You, know, you might have a chance. To start down. Your second but best defender getting torch. Because one of them got a guy to carry. One of them got a guy to carry. Who shut down? But hold on, hold on. No one shutting down carry order around. Let's just get it. Exactly. Right? But on the offensive end, on the other side, these yeah. guys don't have to shut you down. You see in Tybal go off any 30 points. When last Harris gone off for 30 points? Mr. Max he could, contract. He could get he could get 30 though. Oh boy. He could get 30. Let, right, let's look at what, what Harris actually averaging. See? In the playoffs, with James Harden on that team, he can't even shoot 15 shots. That's the issue right there. It comes down to James Harden. <laughs> right? So you have a dude who and 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 Harris, right? He giving you mm. 19 a night. He giving you 19 a night. 19 right? when you was the number two. Now you was the number three. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he was even a clear cut number two. <laughs> Sorry, share that to the secretary. But yeah. So if you were right. number three, now you was number four. Well, this should be even again. This all comes down to where James Harden is actually going to show up. Because exactly. James Harden provides something that Philly has not had, which is a legitimate pick and roll player. Ben Simmons was that. Ben Simmons was that, but Ben Simmons could not shoot. Right, which which limited his effectiveness in the pick and roll. If James Harden can be that same threat he was in Houston, right? Because people forget Embiid is Embiid is not a pick and roll center. Embiid has scored all of his shots basically of his own will. He don't really get that creative him, right? Exactly. If Harden could find a way to limit his to 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 limit his load. Just get him a couple easy baskets a game. That could keep that could diversify their whole offense. If if Harden could find a way to do that, I don't understand. Like if y'all, I just expect better y'all because I think I feel like okay, y'all play basketball at some sort of level, but you ain't coming to my team. And I is the star. I is the MVP candidate. You just reach here, and I can conform my game to you. I, I, I you realize that right now, and you right now, that. if the season over right now, MVP is Embiid. He's, he's MVP. If so if over. I say MVP, you was a fella coming off a team that you couldn't gel with, with great sellers, and you had other centers who was who like to roll. I don't even like to roll. I like to catch my ball either low post when I know I got something to kill, or I like to catch my ball to the three-point line and either do my little stupid head fake and go to the rim, or I like to shoot my tree. Now you won't come down to call Mr. Dribble, 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 step back, four steps, shoot three pointer. And you want me to come out here and set you a pick. And then I must run to the rim like a clown. And then all I must do is get all you. No, big brother. The question is, do you <laughs> want to win or not? Because if in order for you to win, as you can prove in the win? I need to be I need to be the best version of myself. Yeah, but have, have Harden ever even been proven? No, me? but as a NBA been so proven. So why, why, why am I even conforming to you? Because they need each other to win. Both of them have never won anything. Right. Yes or no? Both of them have right. never won anything. Harden, I, I, 
Watch this. Watch this. It ain't gonna start now either. Watch this. <laughs> it ain't gonna start now either. I can be real. And Bead would be the best player Harden has ever played with, correct? The best big man. Well, let me let me rephrase that. And Bead sets Harden into this prime. Harden, Harden played with plenty good players. Man just come off the team with freaking Kevin Durant. Okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Harden would be the best player Embiid ever played with. Mm, best offensive player, yeah. He'd be the best player he ever played with. Ben Simmons is not a better player than Harden. No way you slice that he's a better player than Harden. No way. Depending on my team, I wouldn't say better player, but I'd rather Ben Simmons in different situations. Like on Brooklyn, I'd rather Ben Simmons than Harden. I, I would rather Ben Simmons on Brooklyn too. But I'm saying Harden is a better player than than. than than MB. I mean, I was a better player than Ben Simmons. I mean, okay, Hoffman. hold on now. Look at it in a totality. We always say better because we only look at one side of the ball, right? But if if Harden is average, let's say, what, 25, 28? How much Ben Simmons is average? Ben Simmons ain't far behind. No, 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 no. Last season when Ben Simmons was playing, Ben Simmons is average like 20, 22 a game. So it's like, if my offense may not be a shooting or whatever but at the end of the game i actually more efficient because i scoring 20 22 points off of pure layups and i wouldn't even say free throws even pardon my stats my my freaking points legit off of 10 layups hey listen and i shooting 12 shots you shooting 30 shots and only hitting 14. and then on the defensive end i fall head and shoulders above you if you look at efficiency, PER rating, and all these good things, you could make a case that on the court, Ben Simmons is way more effective than James Harden. Is I wouldn't Harden say that. Is more Yes. Even at, even at guard, don't forget, Ben Simmons is even at a different position. As a point guard or whatever, who would you rather to facilitate your ball on the court? Someone who's pass voice? Or someone who looking for either you to set him a pick or he getting one-on-one. It all depends on my team. And that's the thing. With you using these, you saying, all right, he could be effective in terms of the way he scores, right? Efficiency-wise, he probably is slightly more efficient than Harden because he's just getting dunks and layers, right? As much as Harden is meltdown in the playoffs, I 10 times out of 10 taking him over Ben Simmons in the playoffs. 10 times out of 10. In the playoffs? 10 times out of 10 taking him over Ben Simmons who possible. Open layup, I 10 times out of 10 taking them for Ben Simmons. But I think that the thing is, what you ain't looking at is they play different roles. So for Ben Simmons, he can play the facilitator role, right? He can play the facilitator role. He can get, he can spray the ball around, get guys open shots, right? That's what he does very well, right? But what Philly needed for the last couple of years was another half court score, right? So now, you add that guy who has the potential. I got to say he has the potential because he he has not shown that inside Brooklyn. He's shown it at Houston, even though he's melted in the playoffs. You're a guy who has the potential to give you the half-court scoring that you lack. Right? That's what Ben Simmons could not have given you. Right? He could, ben Simmons could not have give, given you any semblance of a half-court offense if it was, M, it was either Embiid or that's that. Right? Now you have another option. A, a reliable second option, a guy who should be a reliable second option, to say, hey, if Embiid can't get it going, we could always give it to you and you can make something happen. Right? So, while Ben Simmons was the second most important player on Philly, he never could have f- 
fulfill that weakness of half court scoring. So now Harden gives them a better chance to do that. Now, would I pick them? Like I say, I don't trust Harden and I don't trust Doc Rivers. But in terms of talent, I think they are a much more balanced team because they can score on the perimeter better now and they can score down low better. So, I mean, they can always score down low, but they can score on the perimeter and they can score down low. So, to me, they're much more balanced. All Embiid have to do, I mean, I don't really remember Embiid. Harden just have to play sort of similar to what he played like a year ago in Houston. Hmm. Yeah, good, good, good luck. At the end of the day, um, on most teams and in most situations, I take in Ben Simmons over Harden. Um, if I own a trash team and I need a superstar just to make my game look competitive, I'll take James Harden any day. That's a that's a pure scorer. Um, he can make the, the 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 game competitive. But if I own a team where I go on for a championship, it definitely wouldn't. Harden would never be my my first option as a superstar. Who can say, hey, this is my Batman or my Robin for a championship? That's why I feel like he he squandered opportunity in Brooklyn because he, he didn't have to be Batman or Robin. He could have been, I don't know, Aquaman, whoever is be someplace in, in the corner, whatever. But at the end of the day, um, we'll see how it play out. My, my money is definitely on Brooklyn. Um, I see now they have Golden State as a very high odd. So I had to put in a bet today on Golden State to come with the West because they had Phoenix. But I guess they ain't changed their odds yet because Chris Paul out. My thing is, if Chris Paul injured now, he will be re-evaluated in six to eight weeks. That team could go on a nice little slide between six to eight weeks. Number two, when he comes back, there's no guarantee that Chris Paul is going to be Chris Paul. We keep taking for granted when guys are still effective. But one thing about the NBA, the cliff comes quick. We have seen plenty of guys career, one injury, one difference, whatever. Now, I say this guy happened to Chris Paul, but it's a possibility. Coming after the playoffs now, everything is matchups. If Chris Paul isn't ready for round one, and they go up against a guard-heavy or a guard-dominant team in the West, there's a good chance that a bottom team, maybe even like the Lakers, who could match up with them very well without Chris Paul, could come in there and sneak them, who was looking for revenge, because Phoenix is the same team that kicked them out last year. So if you have no Chris Paul, I don't care what you all call Westbrook. Westbrook beating whatever matchup they have at point guard. Then you have uh, LeBron offsetting, well, not even offsetting, still better than Devin Booker. And then you have a big man battle between Aiton and AD, if AD could keep his glass bottle on the court. But at the end of the day, my point is, without Chris Paul on that team, that's not a championship team. Without Chris uh, Paul fully healthy on that team, that's not a championship team. I'm, I'm very interested to see how they play without Chris Paul. I'm very, very interested. This could be very interesting these last couple of weeks. Um, because I still believe Phoenix is a good team, but I definitely believe they ain't that good without Chris Paul. So, it's... To, to be honest, even with Chris Paul, the way you see Steph heating up and that chemistry coming together with him and Clay, and Andrew Wiggins is a very big part of that coming down to the playoffs who plays offense and defense. And people forget, 
there is that number seven pick, I think he was, James Wiseman, who has been out for the first half of the season. When he comes back, you don't need him to go off to score 20. You don't even need James Wiseman to score 10. James Wiseman is going to come back and legit be that big body, almost like how they use Kevin Loney, Loney or whatever he was a couple of years ago. But to me, James Wiseman is, Wiseman is better than Loney. All you need is that big body in the paint that grabs you rebounds, that disrupts shot, that helps Draymond and play, helps side. When he comes back, that team is going to be even more dangerous because now he creates more opportunity for Steph and Clay. That's another big body to set picks on that base, that baseline, that backdoor pick, all that crap where you running around, getting free. Like that team is going to be super scary when they get fully up to speed. And I don't even think with Chris Paul in a seven-game series that Phoenix is going to get past um, Golden State. Yeah, I, I have Golden State winning the West, and I think um, some of the similar reasons, some of the same, some of the same reasons you said. I think, but if you look at all the facts, right, Steph ain't really had one of his great past seasons, right? Steph having a, still having a really, really good season. But they're seeing the MVP caliber season that we used to seeing from him, right? And they still second in the West. They played over 40 games without Clay Thompson, right? They've, they've played over 20 games without Draymond, right? Steph, Clay, and Draymond still have not seen the court together for the season, right? So they're, they're, uh, their core three has not seen the court together, right, for the season, right? You know once they see the court together, chemistry is going to go up. Like you say, with Wiseman, I'm not expecting really nothing out of Wiseman. But the thing is, I think you don't really have to expect much out of him. His role is going to be, I think his role is going to be similar to the way they used McGee a few years back. A guy is just going to come in, going to get easy dunks just based off of off of um, all the shooting around him. Play a hard 15 minutes, keep your hands up, and get two or three or four easy dunks. And... Kuminga, their rookie, he's playing really, really well, right? So I think yeah. they have a lot of unexpected pieces that are contributing. To me, I watch them play, and you can tell that they are priming for a playoff run. A lot of guys like the rookie Kuminga, right? Jordan Poole, you see a lot of these dudes getting minutes, right? A lot of these dudes getting minutes, getting shine, right? Wiggins, a lot of these dudes getting minutes, getting shine. People forget Iguodala, still there, seasoned veteran, right? So they have a veteran team, right? Iguodala, Otto Porter Jr., they got veterans on, on that bench, right, that could come in and still give them good playoff minutes. So I still got, I still like Golden State to, 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 to get out of the West. Um, and depending on who they play in the East, I might have them winning it all. But they definitely is my pick to get out of the West still. Um, moving on, the last thing I want to touch before we head out is obviously we know we could talk about this for hours if we want, but uh, LeBron had a very interesting press conference over the weekend in which he said that he said he said a few things, right? He, he was lotioning out of GMs, right? From he ain't lotion Rob Palenka, but he lotioned out of GMs, right? I think we know why he ain't lotion Robert. But 
He also said that he wouldn't close the door on an opportunity to return to Cleveland. He said the Cavs have a few All-Stars, Darius Garland, Chad Allen, and myself, right? And then he said blatantly and boldly, right? No misinterpretation. He said wherever Bronny plays, that's where I will play my final year. Now, Bronny is scheduled to come, I think, in 2023, right? So that would be one year remaining on LeBron's current contract. And then after that, he could join Bronny. Um, I made the comment. I posted on social media and I said, I think the Lakers should look to trade LeBron, right? What do you, what do you think of LeBron's comments? I've been saying this about two years ago. Uh, I always felt like I never liked when he was even coming now. To be honest with you, yeah. Yeah, he came, he gave us a little bubble championship. Thanks. We, like I said, don't make it, this is not Cleveland. This is not even Miami. Even though Miami had won before him. At the end of the day, bro, if you would come to the Lakers and didn't win a championship, or if you never came to the Lakers at all, we, we, we have 16 championships before you, big brother. Your one that you put up on the end there, like I say, thanks, but it's almost like you giving someone a present that they already had. That's like, you know, like if every year, that's like when people give you clothes, when your grandma used to give you clothes for Christmas, like you realize that I buy clothes year round. You realize that you buy school clothes in January, you buy school clothes in September, you buy socks when you get a hold in them, you buy t-shirt when you, and then when Christmas come around, you wait all year for Christmas. And all this time when you come and you see that little rectangle box, that Sandy's rectangle box, like you ain't even have to unwrap it. From you see a rectangle box underneath your Christmas tree, you know that's, uh, you know that's close. So it's like, yeah, LeBron, we, we, thanks. But we, 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 we got enough clothes. Um, it's time to let go. I, I would have used this as the excuse and all. We, people are tired of LeBron already. Um, you see stars even start knocking. Not just stars, legends, Laker legends. You got guys like Magic, them who put the Lakers in position by getting off of those bad contracts that Mitch Kupchak leave us with when he resigned Moscow fans. Luel dying to them big stinking contracts. And then he got rid of those guys. Um, he brought in guys. He's the one who drafted Lonzo Ball. He drafted Kyle Kuzma. He drafted Larry Nance. He drafted Josh Hart. He drafted Julius Randle. And all of those guys right now are key contributors to whatever team they're on. So it's like, it wasn't Magic fault at the time. People was blaming Magic, saying that, oh, he draft a bunch of scrubs and a bunch yeah, of busts yeah. and stuff like that. But looking back at it right now, every single pick that Magic picked in his tenure as the Lakers president of basketball operation is now uh, either a starter or a key player on whatever team they are in the league. Um, if the Lakers don't trade... LeBron this, 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 this offseason, I feel like it's it's kind of a a loss. My thing is, I think like LeBron should even ask for a trade. If you so say you want to go to Cleveland, you could go, you know. 
But I think the Lakers should get something in return. Because those pieces that he have there, we know he ain't going to keep there. Guys like Sexton, they can let us up. I mean, I really want these guys need you know. But to be honest <laughs> with you, I really want LeBron, you know. Um, Anthony Davis, make your choice too. Like one thing with LA, we ain't begging, we ain't locking. We used to support uh, Chavaris Crittenton and Kwame Brown when we had them. We don't care. If you want to wear a purple and gold, we'll support you to wear purple and gold. If you don't, and you have your vision someplace else, you leaving your doors open someplace else, and your heart is someplace else, big man, if Anthony Davis want to leave with him, bye. See you later. We could get rid of him too, and the Lakers will always rebuild. The Lakers will always be a top team, and when they're not a top team record-wise, the Lakers is almost like the Cowboys. Even when we lose, we make news. Even when the Lakers was, what, 20 and 50-something, our record was 20 and 50-something, we still used to make sports center every morning. Everybody wants to see. Even when the Lakers lose, they want to see the Lakers lose. The Lakers are uh, something like the Cowboys, even though we win more than the Cowboys. But that's just the, they like the Yankees. The Yankees too don't don't win the championship every year, but you should tune in to see the Yankees. You see, you want to see who their top player is, who their top prospects is, all this crap. That's just, some teams just have that organizational stigma around them. Big so, so at the end of the day, by me personally, like I say, LA is tired of LeBron. <laughs> no, like real talk. Like people just think I hate him. But we have seen this is the most I've ever seen Laker legend. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Kareem Aiden LeBron. James Wordy. certain guys who don't even talk. You have guys who don't even come out and do this at on any level. These guys ain't even rip Dwight Howard. When Dwight Howard, when we traded all them assets to get Dwight Howard and he still left the Lakers. These guys let Dwight Howard go on about his business. You had these guys like Kareem always quiet. James Worthy, we didn't even know was still alive. Magic Johnson, we we didn't know where he been, but he's pop up when he ready. You had um, Elgin Baylor. Um, not Elgin Baylor. Who the next way is? Uh, we had another Laker. Oh, Byron Scott. We had all these guys who came on with slick talks, saying that hey, even Shaq, Shaq is saying, but listen, LeBron got to get his act together quick. Laker is championship time. When you have superstars, we expect championships. Now, before LeBron come, all these LeBron lovers is coming top but all before he come, he's irrelevant. Yes, we were irrelevant. But we didn't have championship aspirations. We, we Laker fans are not like Dolphin fans. We know when we suck. We know when we dead. After Kobe left, and even that last year when Kobe was there, we know we wasn't making no playoffs. We know we wasn't making no championship. We were not delusional in saying that, oh, the Lakers going to win a championship this year with Kobe and Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. We, we know better. But LeBron came here and bring championship expectations. Thanks. He gave us one. People ain't going to count it because they say it's a bubble one, but you get the ring for it, right? So it counts. Uh, thanks, but it's time to go. And if you want to carry AD with you, Bye. I would even, even if they, to be honest, even if the Lakers choose to build around Westbrook, we have seen Westbrook what Westbrook you don't could mean do. That. What? You don't mean that. We have yeah. seen what Westbrook could do. 
when you put average guys around him. If you put Malik Monk, if you put other regular fellas and build around Westbrook, I say we win no championship. Like I say, Laker fans are realistic. We'll be much better than we are now, or we'll probably even have the same record. You realize the Lakers under 500? With Westbrook alone, we could be under 500. <laughs> so what's the difference? Think about uh, it. Westbrook by yourself in OKC that year, when he when he's averaging a triple-double, make the playoffs in a, with a sixth seed. Right now, we're in ninth or tenth with LeBron, AD, and Westbrook. So my thing is, LeBron and AD could go, and we could still be bottom seven, eight seed, uh, whatever. But at this point, the Lakers need to focus on their future. And the reason why I would trade LeBron instead of letting him walk is because you already know you have zero draft picks until 2027. You have no first-round draft pick until 2027. And if you let this man walk out of LA without getting any type of compensation, the Lakers will be in the toilet until 2030. Um, I think I think uh, I think they need to do need to look at trading LeBron, and this is the first time I think I've ever seen since LeBron has been there. Uh, even Lakers management, they don't look like they're on the same page, you know, right? And see, we got to understand what we're dealing with too, right? So you got people like Cheney Boston, right? Cheney Boston, they, they, this Lakers franchise is their life, right? It's me and the world to them, right? This is, this is, this is their family uh, heritage, right? So um, these people wasn't scared to cut off Jerry West, who's a Laker legend, right? So trust and believe, they ain't be scared to cut off LeBron, right? Um, and they've already said through thick and thin that they're supporting Rob Palenka, right? They've already said that they're supporting Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka um, is the guy who refused to make any trades at the deadline. When LeBron expected a trade to happen, there were trades on the table, specifically one to get John Wall inside of uh, Los Angeles. And, and Rob Palenka said, look, I tired of giving them first round picks. This is our only first round pick we have. Um, if I, if we give this one up, we can't get another one till 2029. So I ain't giving up no more first round picks. Not for John Wall. Uh, we can stay with the same team. Obviously, we know that didn't make LeBron too happy. We saw, like I say, him praising other GMs. You know, and I feel as if for LeBron. Like I said, I, I commentary in terms of I like and 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 here's how I feel about the Sun thing, right? On one hand, I, I, I honestly think that's pretty cool for you wanna to for you to wanna do, right? I think that's pretty cool for you to wanna play with your son. The first father to ever play with, with his son at the same time in the NBA. That'd be cool as hell. If you have a chance to do it, why wouldn't you want to do that, right? I respect it. But I think as a Laker fan, if you're a Laker fan, or if you're in the Laker front office, there is no way you sit down and listen to this boy basically tell you he's going to leave your team, right? He's basically instructing you, like, I'm going to leave your team. i already looking forward to doing that. Championships ain't on my mind right now. Right now, I've, 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 I've tried to assemble one, a championship team. I failed. And now I'm on my way looking to play with my son, right? 
So as a Laker fan, or if you're in a Laker front office, I just don't see what everything that comes with being a Laker, how you just sit down and say, you know what, we okay with that. At the end of the day, one person is not bigger than the franchise, and LeBron is not drafted by the Lakers. Uh, he did not come there early in his career. Like you said, he already came to them when they've already won the second most championships in the NBA. So it's not as if they ain't used to winning. So I expect this breakup to be actually very messy. I expect this to be very messy. Um, I do expect the Lakers to consider trading LeBron. I don't know if he, I don't know if he has a no trade clause. I think he might have a no trade clause. If he does, that makes things a little bit more difficult. But I, I would not be surprised if they really entertain that idea, and especially if they trade Anthony Davis. I wouldn't be surprised at that. Um, in terms of his son, like I say, it's a cool idea. But then a lot another part of me is like, but um, why are you making your son situation about you now? You know what I mean? Why? not just let this dude come in organically and do his thing. Why it up to be uh you know, you get a package deal if you if you if you drop him, you get me too. Like I get it. Like I say, I get it, I understand it. But to me it seems a lot about him, not necessarily about what best for his son. Yeah, of course it always is, is about him. And the problem is LeBron LeBron has never been, to be honest with you, never been focused solely on the game of basketball from lebron has been in the league it's always been a soap opera around him um, especially even when he started to garnish more off the court admiration the more he got involved with things off the court and the more he got involved with all these things you could see that it started it started to take over if LeBron legit was focused solely on basketball his whole career, LeBron probably would have like six to seven championships right now. Um, and that's that's the pros and cons of being a well-rounded person. Sometimes you could be the jack of all trades, but the master of none. So it's the difference between like you see LeBron. LeBron may have had multiple commercials, multiple endorsements, multiple all of these things, starting his own brand, starting his own company, starting all this crap in the middle of his career or even at the beginning of his career, which hindered him from digging in, like getting into that, you know, that that zone that Kobe was in for a few years, that zone that um, Jordan was in as a few years, that zone that a lot of guys get, even Steph, you could see at a certain part, like these guys being a zone the where like, I, my whole life is a championship. Like the only thing I focus on right now is like maximizing my beat. He was there, I think, slightly in Miami on that one year in Cleveland, but that was it. My thing is, if you look at the, the difference between his career and Tom Brady's career, Tom Brady been to the finals the same amount of times as LeBron. The difference is you could see Tom Brady don't care about nothing else but win it. You don't see these big time, you don't see the same amount of endorsements, even though Tom Brady is the face or the poster boy of the NFL. You don't see the same amount of commercials. You don't see the same amount of off the field activity, especially in his prime. 
Now you see Tom Brady start going to this TB12 nutrition and this TB12 clothing line. Like, yeah, this is loud. like legit, legit Tom Brady is in his 40s on borrowed time. LeBron was doing these days when he's in his 20s. Not to take away from his off-the-field accomplishment or his off-the-court accomplishment, but I feel like because he focused so much off-the-court, it takes away from him on the court. So this is not, this right there, what he did is a political move. Because right there, when he opened his mouth and said that, people already had uh, thought in their mind that obviously LeBron and say for like the past three seasons now, or, you know, he, he it would be cool or it would be nice to play in my son. But now he actually came out and said, wherever my son go, I go. So that's, you just raised that boy draft stock from being probably a end of the first round, middle of the first round, maybe lottery pick. Now you got Ronnie Pauly going almost one. Unless there's some super talent that come out that year, I don't see, I don't care how good that kid is. If you could get Bronny on a rookie deal and LeBron on probably a veteran's minimum because he can play anywhere regardless of the salary cap, he could sign there for free if he want to. You getting a two-for-one package, you ain't gonna take that. Especially if you're a bottom team who ain't used to exposure. Let's just say a dead team, let's say Orlando Magic. You ain't gonna take that. You can go there and draft some unsure rookie, number one over LeBron James' son, and a sure LeBron James coming there, even if you all don't win. The amount of revenue you can get off of TV deals, the every game your arena could be sold out, knowing that that's LeBron farewell tour, every time they turn on the TV, the Orlando Magics is now going to be on TV. This can be the first time people actually watch the Orlando Magics since probably Shaq and Penny and Tracy McGrady. So you can turn that down talking about, oh, he ain't ready for the league yet. I don't care what you say. Unless there's some super, super talent coming out that year, Bronny Pauly, just by LeBron saying that this weekend, Bronny Pauly getting number one. Uh, when, I think, he, like you said, he coming out next year. Well, he's eligible to come out next year. year. If he come in and enter the draft next year, this could cost even a... a well, tanking really don't make sense because they still have a lottery. But guys still can tank just to have a higher chance in the lottery by getting a first round pick because you got teams like Detroit, uh, Orlando Magics. You got teams like teams who legit just been at the bottom of the bowl for decades. Not just Detroit ain't been good since um, Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton and Leo. Orlando ain't been good since. Dwight Howard Lee. Like you have teams who legit been bad for 10, 15, 20 years. And you think if I got a chance to get LeBron on this son, I wouldn't throw every game. Like I'd be putting in my third string fellas to start and putting my fellas on IR. If I had a star on my team, he'd get on IR for the next 50 games. Or I can yeah. trade him off and all. This this could be an interesting time because I sure the draft boards don't have Ronnie Garrett top five. But he could be going top five. I I I I'm pretty sure you're going top five. Um, because even left, let's let's look at like that's like you say, 2023 is probably when he's eligible to come out, which is just a year from now, right? I don't think LeBron could fall off a cliff completely a year from now. 
right? LeBron may still be a guy who's giving you 25 or 24, 7 and 7, right? So with the revenue he brings, like you say, with the name he brings, right? And with his ability is still being uh, up there, right? With him still being one of the better players in the league. Well, let me tell you something. A team who been in the, 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 the cellar dwellers from, from dead long, they may say, you know what, but LeBron might be our ticket to at least maybe we could sneak a, a second round appearance. You never know. A team where maybe on the outside, look at, look at a team like Sacramento, who have some good pieces in place, right? But they never could have put nothing together, right? Then they wouldn't take a chance on LeBron for a year. Of course. They and they can market team. that perfectly because they're the kings. And that's 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 his whole model for his whole year that oh so he so he say he's the king. Um and him and his son will be coming there. So it'll all be it'll be like oh the kings or something. Like yeah. that would actually be perfect for them. Honest rate in Sacramento, you ain't gotta move too much. You ain't gotta move far. Right? So at the end of the day, um like I say, the the stock is high on Brody now and the tanking actually can start from this offseason. You can see certain teams giving away their young stars. You can see certain teams giving away their perennial all-stars. You can be see certain teams like, like uh, Jeremy Grant, he might as well kiss Detroit goodbye. Because I don't need you coming to chill, beasting out next season. <laughs> Fellas, like, uh, same thing with Sacramento. Certain guys around there, well, Fox ain't really nothing to talk about to me anyway. But certain guys, I, I see them get like uh, Sabonis and stuff. Boy, Sabonis, either you will you, you have to get traded again, or I put you on IR. Like, next season is going to be a very, very interesting season. Not just for the Lakers politics, but for the draft politics. Um, and like you say, I don't, I don't, there are generational talents that come along once every seven to ten years. You had guys like LeBron, Carmelo, and Wade that came out the same time. Then that 2004 class, you don't probably don't even remember. Only had Dwight, really. Dwight from that class. Dwight came out of 2005. Yeah, Dwight was 2005. With Chris Paul. Yeah. Then it's 2006, you probably still don't remember. Then you had 2007 with Kevin Durant. Then it's 2008, you probably don't remember. Like every other year, a certain draft class that, just like this last one, like these guys ain't impressive. But Unless there's a generational talent that is coming out with Bronny, someone that you could see is the clear cut head and shoulders. He can come into your organization, like how Melo could have gone to Denver and carried him to the playoffs. Wade could have gone to Miami and carried him to the playoffs. LeBron could have gone to Cleveland and almost carried him to the playoffs. Like, unless you see a guy like that who's gonna totally change your team completely around, you think I want to be that GM with the first pick to pick a guy other than LeBron James' son and then post that guy turn out to be like your boy, Markel Fultz. You know how stupid I, I would look as a GM? I would, never, they would, ne- I, would, I would never have a job in life ever again. If you be the GM to go out there and pick another person when you could get LeBron James' son and LeBron James and you go out there and pick this other first round pick who had a good college season, like like I say, like a Markel Fultz. And then this guy come to the league and, yeah, he's okay. And yeah, he could have make a team roster. 
but he just turns out to be an average role player. And then that team who picks up Bronny, gets LeBron, goes to the playoffs, and then for the next five years, they probably get a player who turns out to be better than your number one pick. I ain't taking a risk. If I'm I picking Bronny, I trade in a pick. Yeah, I think to an end, like I say, if, it, if it's one of those drafts where, like I'll give you an example, for the 2013 draft, where I, uh, Embiid was the number one, he was a clear number one pick, but he was injured, so he didn't go number one. They had Wiggins as a number one pick. Wiggins was a good player, right? But people were sh- unsure about Wiggins as number one, you know, because they didn't thought he had, you know, all the intangibles to be a superstar, right? He's still a good player, right? If it's like that, then obviously you you, you better trade that pick, trade down, and you better select uh, Bronny, right? And I think, like I say, we can see that stuff happen. Now, if it's a generation player, like you say, a team who really, really bad, a team like OKC would need everything. They may say, you know what? We got a general generational player coming up right, right here, possible generational player. LeBron, at his old age, he still ain't garrison nowhere. We need everything. So let's just draft this player right here. But like I say, if you see it's a team who already feel that like they have one or two solid pieces in place, they just need someone, a senior person there that just stir the pot a little bit, sell tickets, get fans and seats, they will take their chance. Now, like I say, for Bronny, what does it mean for Bronny? I don't know. I can't tell you a team drafting him is going to have a legit plan for him. I can't tell you that. Because the only plan they really have is your father coming with you. Right? So, for Bronny's sake, I hope Bronny is lottery pick worthy. That's that's for his sake. I, I hope he is worthy enough to be a lottery pick. Um, from what I've seen of him, he's a good player. I don't see... I don't see star, but he's a good player, right? So we'll see what happens. But like you say, it'll be very, very interesting um, to see how it looks from yeah, trust me, that vantage uh, point. And it comes in right in time because the TV deal is coming in next season. I think that lottery, that draft lottery, is going to be the most watched draft lottery just for people to see who gets that number one pick. That NBA draft is going to be the highest watched NBA draft probably ever. And to be honest, people just, just even just to see if that pick gets traded. Because if a team that, let's say, I don't know, uh, a team that doesn't want that pressure on them. And like you say, if Bronny isn't that good, but you don't want to be the guy who falls up and make that, 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 that bad pick over Bronny. But then you have like three, four other teams that are offering you two, three first-round picks and probably a star, I can pull the trigger. Because if I was a team like, say, Detroit, where I know... See, and then another thing is you got to realize these guys is this new age crybaby league. You don't want to be a team that you know Bronny and LeBron don't want to play for. Because you can go there and draft him number one and dog them pull a Ben Simmons. Or dog them and come there and play a super role where I'm... I'm happy here. Like, these guys are getting very vocal to where they come out to the media like, oh, I don't see myself. If Bronny come in and say, I don't see myself fitting into this lineup, and LeBron have his back, but, I mean, of course LeBron have his back. That team in in a tight. Because now you got to go trade Bronny and LeBron on the low. Because fellas can say, listen, I only want to go to certain teams. Like you say, Bronny probably only going to wake up for certain teams. 
Probably only can probably even entertain certain things. You ain't going to try for everybody. And you, even when you go to the combat, you ain't the combat. You ain't the same humble young fella like everybody else. You know what? Because now I have the backing of my daddy, who already in the league. And he ain't just in the league. He already run the league. So you think I come into this trial and some big time executive to come here and say, hey, hey, I want to see you run this drill over and over again. Excuse me, sir. You meaning me? You you meaning me? Hold on, hold on. Hey, daddy, look here, look here, look here. This boy running on, talking about he don't like the way I come off the screen. He want me run it again. You don't want to piss off LeBron. Because if you piss off LeBron, LeBron he gone. So it's like, it's so much different ways this could pan out. And people don't want to believe it. But honestly and truly, players now have that type of power to where they could destroy franchises. We have seen players, like, obviously get their weight. And that's why you had trades like what happened at the deadline between an Embiid and, I mean, not Embiid, Simmons and Harden, because they was two players that was about to destroy two good franchises. Both of those teams are playoff bound. But you had Simmons there who was ready to destroy Philly. And you had Harden who was ready to destroy Brooklyn if you didn't get these guys what they wanted. So if these guys could push their way, and none of them like we already established are top five players. If these two guys who aren't top five players could have forced what they wanted and was ready to destroy franchises, what you think? LeBron and his son could do if they don't feel like they're in the right situation. Huh? It'd be very, very interesting to see. Um, very, very interesting to see how it works out. Um, and like I say, we in the play empowerment era, and with that, it brings it brings different things. It brings different things, so we can see a lot of a lot of moving pieces, and especially. With LeBron, you know, a power move will always be involved. Um, but yeah, as we wrap up, we want to thank all y'all who was watching, all y'all who tuned in, all y'all who uh, stayed by to support us. You know what I mean? You know, we go experts all day, every day. Um, tune in next week, Tuesday. We'll be back again. More hot takes, uh, more wrap ups, whatever the case may be. Um, any final shout outs before you? Slide you you try to go to bed night. Shout out Tom Brady. <laughs> shout out Tom Brady. Uh, shout out Buddy Ian. See you doing your thing now and there. Everybody getting numbers. Yeah, Buddy getting buckets. Um, yeah, uh, what else? It's pretty much for the week. Yep. So until next time, ladies and gents, it's your boy Sanzo with CJX Factor. We are signing off. And y'all take it easy. Experts real.